Welcome to today's episode of the PQI podcast. Today I talk with Tim Ringgold. Tim is a board certified music therapist, author, and host of the Reduce Your Stress podcast and summit. He is an award-winning international speaker, having shared the stage with some of the top minds on music, the brain, and personal development, including Tony Robbins. Tim was the first person to give a TEDx talk on music therapy in 2012, and is also a former regional president of the American Music Therapy Association. He has experience working with oncology patients and improving various symptoms through music therapy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you. Um, you, you really are the excitement of my afternoon because I know this is going to be a fun episode. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Ginger. It's great to be here. Um, and to start, will you tell us about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, professionally, I'm a board certified music therapist and uh, music therapist is easiest quick analogy is like a physical therapist. You go to school, get a bachelor's, master's, PhD, do a clinical internship, get board certified, go through CEUs. And if you're a physical therapist, you've learned how to use exercise as a modality to treat people in very targeted ways. And none of us need a physical therapist to exercise, but there are times when the guided supervision of a physical therapist is really just right for what we're going through. A music therapist is someone who goes to school, gets a bachelor's, can get a master's, PhD, do an internship, become board certified, get CEUs. And we use music as a modality to treat people across the lifespan. And while you don't need a music therapist to enjoy the therapeutic benefit of music, because music is inherently therapeutic, there are times when the targeted use of music uh, under the supervision of a music therapist is just right and can really improve outcomes, clinical outcomes for a patient. That's awesome. So, so interesting. Um, so can you tell us more about music therapy and using music as medicine? So yeah. I know um, I've wa I did watch your TED talk, um, or one of them, and you talk about um, the kind of the science of music. So we have we have a bunch of healthcare professionals listening, um, pharmacists and others. So I know they would be interested in the science aspect. Yeah, you, you know my people because as a clinician, uh, you know I was a musician from the time I was four. Uh, so that was the first time I walked on stage was when I was four. So I've been performing music in an entertainment context my entire life. Uh, I was uh, a little bit of a masochist and, you know, took music lessons along the way. And so for anybody who's studied an instrument and, you know, banged your head against scales or any other rudimentary, you know, exercises, you know, the frustration that that can bring uh, in an educational context. Um, but really all of us reach for music as humans as a, a tool, uh, not just only for, you know, cognitive uh, stimulation or, uh, focus support, attention support, energy support, uh, but as um, for emotional regulation. And if you've ever made a podcast or a playlist, uh, if you've ever made a, a blank CD, or if you're like me back in the day, a mixtape, you've prescribed yourself music. And so humans have a very long, very close personal relationship with music. And we all know it's good for our mood and it's good for our, our spirit. But it wasn't really until I went back to school uh, to study the science of music that I really understood how it affects the brain and the body. And what's of particular interest to me is kind of a neuroscience approach 
uh, to understanding music cognition and, and what music does to the brain and what music does to the body specifically. Because I find that that, particularly in the Western medical world, that is what's most interesting to people because they have this relationship with music already. And then when I explain the science behind it, it takes that relationship to a, another level uh, because pretty much everyone I've ever met already had a very close relationship with music, particularly during their adolescence. Yes. I mean, we could not have survived adolescence without music. Let's all be honest. And what my music did to get me through my adolescence is exactly what your music did to get you through your adolescence. And now as an adult to come back and to understand what was happening, wow, it, 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 there's a whole new appreciation as an adult. And adults typically will stray from music and kind of move into podcasts and audiobooks and talk radio. But it's really important for us to remember how powerful music was as a daily tool in our lives for emotional regulation. And what I'm going to describe in the next moment or two, will really kind of hopefully, as you're the person listening to my voice, hopefully this sells you on why you want to start reaching for playlists again as a part of your daily self-care. Because when we listen to music that we enjoy, what we found in clinical research is that music, uh, our, our preferred music, each one of our own preferred music triggers a pleasure response in the brain, similar to the, uh, when we eat sugar or have sex. So the nucleus accumbens releases dopamine uh, in all three activities in the same way, which is a very interesting just uh, observation that food, uh, reproduction and music all cause dopamine release as do other things in life. It's not the only things. Um, and if we make music, so if we tap, snap, clap, hum, rap, sing, strum on an instrument, our brain releases dopamine. This is very powerful chemical that tells us, Hey, do that again, yes. whatever it was. Right. Um, similarly, um, it blocks the perception of pain. And so when we're on music, if you will, music is the most complex stimulus in nature for cognition of the human brain. It requires every subregion of the brain to fire simultaneously to actually take music apart into its individual elements, observe and record what's happening, and then put it back together and then compare past versions of music to the music that's currently being processed to anticipate where the music's moving next. In other words, Ginger, it, it's just heavy lifting for the human brain. So the attention center of the brain can't process a pain signal at the same time that it's trying to process music. And since music triggers a pleasure response, the brain learns at a very early age, as early as 32 weeks gestational age, mm -hmm. it learns to prefer and attend to a music signal. So we can very specifically use music in a targeted way to quote unquote, take our mind off of stressors, because when our mind is attending to music, it will attend to music at the exclusion of an internal or external signal. Wow, it's so interesting. And it it leads my mind to a question that's totally off topic and I'll get back on topic, but I am a snacker like all throughout the workday. It's a problem. So do you think like playing music, can that replace my chips and salsa? Like well, that's a really that, good that work for question. Me? That's really funny. I, hmm, Ginger, I'm I don't know how much time though. we have on the podcast here to, why are you eating throughout the day? What is, uh, there's, 
There, there might be, oh. you know, a whole host of reasons why you're eating throughout the day that I'm actually not qualified to, to <laughs> discuss. But what I can tell you is that when we reach for music, uh, what it does for our nervous system is it. So if, if you think of your nervous system, most of us and healthcare providers included, you know, we, when we're taking a, you know, anatomy and physiology, you know, Hey, I have a nervous system. Great. Okay, cool. Well, how deep do you go into studying the nervous system? And particularly the autonomic nervous system and what is its role? What does it do? And how can we, can we um, affect or uh, influence the autonomic nervous system? And the research is yes, music will influence the autonomic nervous system. So we can use music to turn off the stress response throughout the day. So our, you know, nervous system is designed, it's like a three-speed bike and it's got this rest and digest gear, which is, you know, your parasympathetic nervous system is activated, the ventral vagal nerve state. And then we observe or perceive either an external or an internal threat. Okay. And that's when we get stressed, right? And that's the fight or flight response. And now we're activated, right? And there's a whole biochemical change that happens in our body when we get stressed. Yes. One of the things that's very important that happens during the stress response is that our body produces a bunch of adrenaline and particularly cortisol mm -hmm. to either outrun a tiger or to fight off a tribe. Cortisol vital for our daily life, but excess cortisol running through our system causes systemic inflammation. It wears out our immune system. And what they found in research is when you make music or when you listen to the music you enjoy, cortisol production actually stops. Wow. Yeah. So you can reset your nervous system and, and what Dr. Herbert Benson at Harvard Medical School will call the relaxation response. Okay. In our culture, we talk a lot about the stress response. Yes. And he had this brilliant idea, which was, well, what's the opposite of that? What's the relaxation response? How do we, we know how we turn this system on in our nervous system? How do we turn it off? And what are the tools that can turn it off. And it turns out when used correctly, music can turn off the stress response faster than any oral medication. So interesting. So I, I love using the complementary therapies um, and uh, music, music may be our best medicine or one of them. Um, but we will get back to some of the stress response and what our um, team members can do with that in, in just a bit. But will you tell us how music, because I know you've used music therapy with oncology patients. So how yes. have you used that and how can it be used in our patients? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I worked in inpatient and in outpatient oncology as a music therapist. And I was part of the pain management team at uh, UC Irvine Health Center or uh, in Irvine, California. And my job was to address pain, anxiety, and nausea symptoms. Okay. and to treat those symptoms with music specifically. So I would be referred to a patient uh, in two circumstances, either their first day of infusion for some patient education, uh, or if patients were presenting with any of those three um, symptoms. And I would ask, I would check in with the nurse's station, hey, who's, who's really having a hard time getting any of this under control? And they would send, oh, you know, room 432s, you know, having a lot of pain today or whatever the case would be. And, uh, and so what would happen is the attending docs, if this was the inpatient side would be attempting to treat those, you know, pharmacologically. And they knew a, a certain, you know, um, their palate, you know, their, their training, they were exposed to a certain amount of, uh, of, um, 
different drugs that would address those symptoms and they would attempt, you know, to use them. And then if that didn't work, they would bring in the pain management team, which had better knowledge and access to additional drugs that the attending may not know about. And then they would attempt to address those symptoms pharmacologically. And then when that didn't work, that's when they brought in music therapy. And I would be referred to see the most symptomatic patients in the hospital. So I was like the relief pitcher when nothing else worked, you know, uh, for the, in the, any of the cancer patients, then they would send in music therapy. And one of the, uh, the, the director would often be like, I don't know what it is about you. And I'm like, it's not me. It's not me. It's music. It's what music does. That's distinct from, you know, and why it works in tandem so well. So, um, my job would be to come in and basically give patients the option of the experience that they could handle based on their energy and the pain they were having or the anxiety they were having. And I would just give them a choice. We could improvise some music together with some rhythm instruments we, or sing uh, music that we both know. I might sing music you know that you'd love to hear live. If I don't know it, we could pull it up on YouTube and listen to a studio version or watch a live version of that song and talk about that. Uh, or we might do uh, some guided imagery to music where we're specifically working on relaxing the slowing down the autonomic nervous system through tempo and then using the uh, using imagery to actually allow the person to uh, leave the physical environment uh, in their mind's eye. And then they would select and then we would uh, we would begin the experience. The typical session was a 30 minute session. And I would ask them at the beginning of the session, just rate your pain, your anxiety, and your nausea on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest. And at the end of the session, rated again, it was self-report, but typically the data was uh, patients would report roughly a 50% decrease in pain symptoms and a 65% decrease in anxiety and nausea symptoms after one session. That's amazing. Um, I, I think there are a lot of medications that you don't get those results with. So that's really amazing. It was, it was very satisfying work because yeah. you could, you could also see the effect on the patient because their their facial affect would change. Their breath, respiratory rate would change. Uh, just the, the way that they would carry tension in their shoulders would release over the course of the session. So their, their body would become a lot more relaxed and you could physically see a change in the patient during that period of time. And probably the most interesting was when I would be referred to, for patients who were in the intensive care unit who were on um, in a medically induced coma, but were still hypertensive. And I would be referred to try to support their blood pressure and heart rate through music. And I would go in and I would mimic their heart rate with my guitar. And then I would slow my guitar down using what's called the ISO principle and then their and rhythmic entrainment and then their heartbeat would slow down in tandem. And of course, since they're in the ICU, you could track that, you know, you just, yeah. what, what was their numbers beforehand, go in, do the session, what were their numbers after? And it was always a profound, you know, what we'd call a, st a statistically significant drop in blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate back so that they could titrate down, you know, that cocktail uh, of different, um, medicines that they were on in the ICU, because that's just such a fragile environment. And you're just loading so many very powerful drugs into the body at the same time. Obviously you want to have the least effective dose in that setting as possible. And music uh, has been shown in research over and over again to uh, allow patients to just basically require less pharmacological support for the same result. 
which then becomes a win-win because you get improved outcomes with less chemicals in the body. Yes. So interesting. That That's great work. And I know it's a tough job to have to go into um, some really hard situations. So that's awesome. So if, um, and I know centers do bring in music therapists like you, but if someone does not have access to a music therapist, what could, what can we do for our patients or what could we recommend um, our patients do if they, if they don't have access to. Uh, to yeah. You know, that was something I had to figure out for myself as a music therapist because of funding. I was only there for so many hours and, you know, but people have access to music 24, seven, 365 for free. And so early on in my career, I realized it's really important to teach people how to reach for music on their own so that they know how to use their own music in order to manage whatever symptoms they're dealing with. And I'll never forget one patient one time, I had just finished the relaxation vacation, which we'll talk about with her. And she said, do you have this on CD? And I said, no, I just do this with, you know, patients live. And she got mad at me. And she, she said, where are you going to be at 2 a.m. when I can't sleep? Oh, I'm going to need you. True. She was right, Ginger. Yeah. And it, it, I had, my butt got in the recording studio and recorded that relaxation vacation for just that reason, because with record, with music technology today, with smartphone technology, we have access to reach for music at any time. There are a host of very well-made apps that are either meditation apps, relaxation apps, or virtual instrument apps where you can play with music on your device. And the experience is extraordinary because the interface looks great. The audio sounds great. And with the swipe of a finger, you can be replicating really pleasant sounding music that you would have no idea how to make acoustically. And so what I recommend people do is in Google play or Apple music is to go in there and type in whatever the name of an instrument that you're curious about and just put the word virtual, then that instrument and go search. Now these apps come and go. So I used to like recommend, I used to have a list of apps that I would recommend and then they wouldn't get updated or supported. And then people would get mad at me because they'd listen to a podcast a year after that's no longer there. You know, I know, I wish they would have kept that up because it was great. Um, so you can use apps for your own, uh, the apps have come a long way. I just used a nap app before our interview, for example, that's designed by NASA for how to take a power power nap. And it puts very specific sound waves in your ears and you you go to sleep. Let me tell you, it is so effective. Yeah, it's called Nap 26. So there's a a ton of really, really good technology coming out. There's another great app called Lucid uh, by, um, or Vibe by Lucid uh, that actually will change the music as your mood changes. It asks you for feedback and on the control of the app, you press how you're feeling. It gives you like a a range of emotions and the music will change as your mood changes. So it's, it's using AI and music technology together to support the like real time experience that someone's having. So your phone is really a, a, an amazing, amazing tool for your self-care. One thing you can do that's really old school, though, is you can take three songs that are really personal to you, yeah. that are inspiring. I call it the power playlist. And just three songs, because sometimes Spotify playlists can be like 30 songs long. But 
three songs that fire you up personally. And when you feel stress strike, you get up off of what if, whatever screen you're looking at, because there's probably a screen involved with that stress. And you go for a walk to those three songs. And if you don't have the energy to go for a walk to the three songs, you go sit in your recliner or in a chair and you don't multitask. Okay. And that's a very important piece when it comes to music for stress or pain management, particularly uh, in oncology is you, the patient needs to have the music be the object of their attention. So kind of like if you were like doing karaoke, you wouldn't be multitasking. You'd be looking at the screen and you'd be following along with the words and you'd be singing along. You'd be in the moment with the music and the music would be the subject matter of your attention okay. in order to achieve the therapeutic effects with music in a clinical setting, the music needs to be the focus. Now, the rest of us can be using music in the background while we're working to actually increase our focus and attention. And that's absolutely valid. And there's a great app called Focus at Will for those of us who are like charting and we want to blast through our charting faster because we have ADD and we have a hard time charting. That's me. I'll put on Focus at Will and it helps me do my documentation faster. So great tool. Once again, apps to save the day. And uh, there's just, you know, every year I'm, I'm introduced to more and more resources on our phones that can help us leverage this tool that we love so well. That's awesome. So I need, I need to look more into this, but I, I'm still a fan. We have a record player and I still think that there's, there's nothing quite like the record player. It's no, my, there isn't. My favorite. It's a, so. it's a truly unique sound. Yeah, you're right. There is, there is nothing like that. Well, uh, and, and the first person who can make blank records and, you know, that would be pretty cool if you can make your own records. Oh, that would be, I'd have no talent to do that, but it would be, it would be cool if people like you could do it. <laughs> yes. I, that, I, my spare me, you know, yeah. uh, in the middle of the night while the, my principal me is sleeping, spare me will work on that. There you go. Um, so back to our oncology staff members. So we know that um, it's a very high stress environment dealing dealing with a lot and they often suffer um, from burnout and, and stress. So what are some of the techniques? I know you're going to talk about the um, relaxation vacation and your website. Um, it's really interesting. How's that available? But will you tell us some about those tools and sure. what we could do? So I host a podcast called Reduce Your Stress with Tim Ringgold, and I, I write instrumental guitar music that's roughly 10 minutes long, uh, and I release a new instrumental track every other week okay. for uh, healthcare professionals to commute to. Oh, so it was designed specifically so that you listen to my podcast on the way into work. Okay. And then you're feeling powerful at work. You've turned off the stress response, you're present. And then the day happens and then you turn it on on the way home and you turn off that stress response again on the way home. So you're present for the, your loved ones when you get home, because the commute is the perfect time to be leveraging music. And a lot of us, if we were working in oncology as a teenager, we'd be listening to music on the way to work and on the way home. As adults, for some reason, we just do this in our modern society. We just start listening to people talking and less to people singing or playing. So the podcast is designed specifically for the commute. So that's one time that you want to be reaching for music as a professional is you can use it to kind of bookend your day. That is very cool. So if yeah. you will send us the link, we'll make sure and put that in our show notes for the Awesome. Listeners. But go yep. ahead. Sorry. Yep. So that's a, that's a great technique. And then... Um, the relaxation vacation, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. So sometimes 
people's stress comes from, uh, you know, kind of too much anxiety about the future, too much depression or rumination over the past. But oftentimes the stress is really in our face. It's in real time. It's in the present moment. And we just want to escape. We, and that Calgon, take me away. Like that, you know, yeah. just dated myself, but that's, you know, that's what Netflix does for us is we just escape. But the problem is it, it's a open-ended loop. Like you, there's no end to Netflix and that's by design. And so you want to have a tool that has a beginning a middle and an end and you can escape, but not for a long period of time. And the relaxation vacation is again, inspired by the work of Dr. Herbert Benson at Harvard Medical School based on his work around what he calls remembered wellness. And it's based on the fact that the brain doesn't know the difference between visualizing a past experience and experiencing a present experience. Same part of the brain lights up in memory as during processing it in real time. So what I do in the relaxation experience with again, slow tempo, really languid, perceptible beat on my classical guitar. I walk you through a memory of your choice where you felt happy and healthy and safe and connected and take you through that experience in a very like protocol way so that your body relives the experience in your body. So you have the lived experience of being there again, which again, shifts your nervous system back to that state. And then I walk you back into the present moment so that you can take on whatever the stress in the present is from that state rather than from a stressed state. So it's a really easy, scientifically validated tool for resetting your nervous system and activating a state that's preferable to encounter adversity with. So how long does that take total? The relaxation vacation can take as little as five minutes. Uh, the one that I have on my website is 15. So, so uh, someone could do that on their lunch break. Yeah, oh, absolutely. If they get one. <laughs> if they get so one, yes. Take, one, take yeah. your lunch break. Yes, let's take that break. Take that break. Take that break. So will you give us um, a live example of your work? I would yeah, love, absolutely. I'd love to hear you play and some sure. of what you Sure. Do. So there's a couple, of, a couple of tools I have with me today. And one of them is the Native American flute. And the reason I want to share this one briefly is that most of us were exposed to recorders and our children are being exposed to recorders. And those are yeah. torture devices, absolute <laughs> yeah. torture devices. The Native American flute, by comparison, is a much more pleasant uh, sound because it's wood and it's not plastic. And it doesn't require any training. You can just put your fingers over the holes and exhale, and it produces a beautiful sound. I'll give you an example. Oh. And I know our listeners can't see, but it looks really, it looks really neat, too. <laughs> Now, I have no idea what notes I just played, but what I can tell you is that was an exhale. Okay. Now, when you slow down your breathing, mm -hmm. you slow down your mind, you slow down your autonomic nervous system, but it's hard to think about breathing because it's automatic. But if you put an instrument in your hand, now you're thinking about the instrument, not breathing. Yes. And your breathing slows down as a byproduct. Okay. So it's a way of tricking your own self into slowing down without thinking about slowing down. That's really interesting. 
different 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 approach than like yoga when you're you're thinking about your your breathing it's all thinking 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 and then what are you doing you're thinking right and the idea behind this is let's not think let's just exhale let's just blow and make sound and you're all you're thinking about is making sound and then when i don't know what it's like for you when i hear this sound i am teleported to some languid peaceful scene in the american southwest that's just pastoral and not busy and frenetic and 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 it's a very easy instrument to make sound out of not all instruments are equally easy to be successful at and the challenges in our culture we are typically exposed in western orchestral instruments to the most complex challenging instruments to make a beautiful sound with so they're kind of not very satisfying because it just sounds awful until it doesn't. And there's a long road of suffering for everyone around. There are many instruments out there that sound wonderful the day you pick them up. And uh, the Native American flute is one of them. So by, by playing a Native American flute, you are automatically in training your body to slow down. And I've worked with cancer patients with the flute where they've purchased one for themselves oh, and yeah. will play together. And it increases their breath support if they play on a daily basis, okay. uh, which for some patients, that's really useful. Yes. And, and the other thing is that it just puts them, you know, by, by focusing on this simple task of play, just play the instrument, it takes their mind off of the past and the future, and it lets them kind of take a break. Yeah. Now, the other instrument I have with me is the guitar and guitar is a little more complex to <laughs> learn. Ukulele yeah. by comparison, though, oh. very easy to learn. You could one finger, one note, you're strumming a C chord. You can be playing a song on a ukulele the day you buy it. And for 50 bucks out the door, you can own a relatively good uh, entry level ukulele that will stay in tune and sound good. And so most of us didn't grow up being exposed to a ukulele, but in the last 20 years, there's been an absolute revolution in music, which is the uke. It is everywhere in pop music. It's everywhere in commercials. It's far more popular than guitar. I work with teens and mental health. They are always asking for uke lessons over guitar lessons. Yeah, really. It's really fascinating. And there's like no sad notes on the ukulele. Like when you strum a ukulele, it is like, ah, I feel better already. So great instrument. It's small in your hands. It's not intimidating. It doesn't take up a lot of expense. Uh, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm talking one up. I wish I had one in my hand, but um, the guitar, <laughs> this is old school, gotten a guitar here. I'm, again, I'm dating myself, but the thing about guitar is that it is a stringed instrument, but it's also a percussion instrument, meaning I have to actually strike the notes on the strings. So I can create a perceptible beat. Now the nervous system will automatically speed up and slow down based on external rhythms. It's called the law of rhythmic entrainment. So we can use external rhythms to slow down our heart rate, our blood pressure, and our respiratory rhythm automatically. So one of the reasons why listening to an arpeggio, which is just a series of notes being played one at a time is super effective is because it slows down the nervous system. And so just for now, for a moment, 
just allow your eyes to close. If you're listening to this while you're driving, please don't follow what I'm about to say. But if you're still somewhere, just allow your eyes to close and maybe allow your your memory to wander back to a vacation that you've been on. Might've been recently, maybe it was a couple, two, three years ago because maybe you haven't been on a vacation in a while. Just think back to a vacation you were on not too long ago. And there was a scene on that vacation. It was just beautiful. It's like one of those postcard moments. Allow that scene to wrap itself around you. So you see it in 3D. And look beyond the objects and the people and just notice what colors do you see in the scene? What sounds do you hear? Notice the sounds that are present. As you breathe into the scene, notice what do you smell? What can you taste? Are there any flavors present? What can you touch? And just as you can see and hear and smell and taste and touch everything in this scene in full three-dimensional clarity, notice how being in the scene makes you feel inside. Allow that feeling to just expand and radiate through your whole body. This is your scene. You can come here anytime you like, and you can stay as long as you need. Comforted by that, it's time to say goodbye to the scene now, knowing that you can return at any time. So just allow your awareness to come back into your body and wiggle your fingers and toes. Just take a nice, gentle, deep, refreshed breath. So I did that along with you, and I didn't want to say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say I feel like that's something that we do need to do at lunch every day or something. It's It's like the the Shavasana and yoga, but... You don't have to take a yoga class. No, you don't. It's a very efficient and effective tool for being able to take a break from the modern world that we're all struggling to stay afloat in. And let's just close by reminding us that our nervous system was not designed for the culture we live in. Yes. So for the person hearing my voice right now, when you're feeling overwhelmed and in over your head, we're not designed for this. So it's okay. Reach for help, reach for friends, reach for music, but we were not designed to do this alone either. So, you know, being human is a shared experience. So reach out and uh, I lean on you, you lean on me and we don't keep score and that's community. So I know you have something exciting coming up for healthcare providers. So will you give a a brief overview of what that looks like? 
Absolutely. Uh, as an extension of my podcast to support healthcare professionals, I've created an online summit uh, called the Reduce Your Stress Summit for Healthcare Professionals. It's a free resource for healthcare professionals. It's an online summit that's taking place August 9th through the 13th. Um, and you can register at reduceyourstresssummit.com. Absolutely free. We've got over 20 different speakers, experts talking on different strategies for how to heal trauma and burnout and balance work and life. Oh, that's such a great resource. And I know, I, I hope everyone takes advantage of it. Um, if you send me that link too, which, which I know you just said it, but we'll add that to the show notes too. Just awesome. To make sure everybody has that. So thank you. And thank you for offering that. That's you bet. great. Um, and then one last question to close the podcast, we ask all of our guests. So when the world opens up again soon ish, maybe, um, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I want to sleep in one of those overwater bungalows in Whoa. Bora Bora, Tahiti. Oh, yes, please. That sounds amazing. When Wait. I lead the relaxation vacation, oh. uh, I have a slide in my presentation because I lead the this at conferences all over the place. And so the slide I have up is a picture of overwater bungalows in Bora Bora. And I'm like, someday I'm actually going to be there. <laughs> I think that you should have a conference there and take <laughs> all of us and you can lead us all there. That Thanks sounds like them. a good idea. Bring your ukulele. <laughs> That'd be a, a good setting. No, that sounds amazing. Um, and I hope you get there soon. So thank you. But thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so interesting. Um, I learned a lot. It's, it's really, I would like to learn even more. Maybe we'll have you back one day. Just um, on the brain. I'd love to come back. It's so, so interesting and using it as a medicine and another therapy. So thank you for the work that you do. It's great work. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate being here. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tim. As a reminder, Tim is hosting an upcoming free summit for healthcare providers called Reduce Your Stress. The summit is on August 9th through 13th, 2021, and more information can be found on the website in our show notes. To download this podcast, you can search the PQI podcast on Spotify and Apple and remember to subscribe. You can listen on our website at encoda.org, that's N-C-O-D-A dot org, and you can also follow us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. We would like to thank Encoda for making this podcast possible, and we hope you join us next week for another edition of the PQI podcast. Thanks, everybody.